What's up, Uker Media family? Vladimir Pragnevsky here, and welcome to episode number 45 of the Uker Media podcast, where I serve Uker Media family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. Today's guest is Nick Lyons. He's a senior motion designer at Territory Studio in London. Nick, welcome to the show, and uh, share something interesting about you that most people don't know. Awesome. Thanks, Vladimir, for having me. Uh, yeah, really happy to, to talk to you today. And uh, yeah, I um, I guess one thing that people don't really know about me is uh, I got my start quite late in the in my well, I got my career uh, in motion design began quite late in, in my life, I guess. I mean, I, I began uh, I switched careers when I was 25. And before that, I, uh, I was going to school in the Bay Area at Berkeley for history. So I was at yeah, I was a history major. I was going wow. into yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was going. My my entire family are teachers, so my parents and my sisters got into teaching, and I've always loved teaching and just kind of working with people and and tell and like you know working through problems and figuring stuff out. And uh, I ended up deciding to kind of veer towards well, actually, I ended up veering more towards like a businessy kind of situation after that, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I worked for like five years after after university and ended up going into motion design well, back to school when I was 25. So, yeah. Wow, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Wow. And you said, so you said you you, you come from a, your, your parents were teachers, right? Yeah, yeah, all of them. Yeah, they're all teachers. Um, my dad just retired last year and uh, yeah, my sister got into it. My sister uh, teaches middle school English and history and my mom teaches, uh, she teaches like, She's basically taught like uh, if you're familiar with teaching, she's taught at Title One schools most of her life, and Title One are generally like the like some of the tougher schools because they're generally inner city schools and they get the most money through uh, from like government funding. So she's uh, she really loves working with kids and kind of making a difference, and she's done it her whole career, and now she's doing like like virtual. It's called Virtual Academy, but it's like an online teaching course and stuff. So it's I think it's kind of the way that teaching could be going in the future. So it's kind of cool. Now, do you plan on uh, switching to teaching one of these days full time? I know you've done some stuff with I- at IBC with Adobe and yeah. others, but do you plan on doing something like that in the future? You know, it's uh, when I went back to school, it was kind of a uh, it was in the back of my head that I could I could do that someday. And uh, you know, like I'm 33 now, but when I get you know when I get in my 40s, maybe or 50s, you know, who knows? Like life changes so much and you just, you kind of have to be prepared for anything really, you know? So I could, you know, I could be in animation, but you know, this industry changes like every other week, there's like something new coming out and there's something new to learn and it's changing and motion design is different from how it was three years ago to what it is today. And it's, so I feel like it's, it's a good opportunity for me to give back to the community in like a bigger way, I guess. And However, that manifests itself, whether it's like going to teach at, you know, a brick and mortar school like I went to, like SCAD, or doing something online, some sort of like online course or something like that. So it, I, I like I like teaching. I like sharing my experiences and, and my skills and stuff. And I, you know, I've always felt like the people I looked up to the most have done that in, in our industry. So I, I feel like it's a good way to give back, especially when I feel like I've had a lot of experience that people could find interesting and, and helpful. I thought I saw something, you know, I was reading through your, 
about uh, Paige on, on your website, I thought I saw something uh, with you playing bagpipes. <laughs> do, do you play bagpipes? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, it's... Uh, How did that come about? Oh my gosh, yeah. That was... Uh, it, it's kind of funny because when I was a kid, I, I usually get a couple laughs when I tell them the story because I was like 11 or 12 years old. It was um, it was the year that Braveheart came out, and which is like... I think it was like 1996, and if you're familiar with Braveheart, you know it's like about Mel oh, Gibson yeah. doing his his best Scottish impression and <laughs> charging the battlefield and stuff. And you know, as like a 12 year old kid, I was like, "This is so amazing! Like, oh my gosh! Like, how can I like be a part of this?" And like, I love this culture and everything. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I ended up trying to find a an instructor in Sacramento. So I grew up in Sacramento in California and uh, I called around to all these different music shops because, because you don't find like there, the internet wasn't really like a, a massive thing back then. Like you didn't have like Google and stuff like that. So I, I've called around all these shops and I found out there was a, uh, I found out this guy at a music shop knew this other guy who knew this other guy and the other guy played the bagpipes. And I uh, ended up, going over to his house and I went with my mom, of course, cause it was a bit, you know, I was like young and stuff, but I went over to, to his house and, uh, and he ended up teaching me to play the bagpipes for like three years. And, <laughs> and nice. I, I was like, he didn't teach anyone. Like his son knew how to play bagpipes, but I go over, go over to his house and bring my bagpipes. And he'd only ask for like $5, like for the first couple of years or for like the first year really. And then, I ended up going, uh, I went to the Highland Games, which they have all over the States. And uh, I ended up entering a competition there and playing. And uh, yeah, I, I really I really loved it, really loved the culture. And then my mom and I went to Scotland when I was 18 as like a, as like a present from graduating high school. And uh, she surprised me with my own set of bagpipes. So nice. I, yeah, man. No, it's really cool. And I still have them, but... I have them. I brought them to London. The unfortunate thing with bagpipes is they're not they're not great ways to make friends with your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, I I love playing them, and they sound really cool, especially when you're outside in like a you know like a big area. But in indoors, they're really loud, really intense. So I uh, I do play them. I have like a they have like a little practice thing called the practice chanter, and it's like a flute basically. And oh, I see. You, yeah, and you can do all the like the the same kind of practice on that, but it's just not like it doesn't sound like you're going to war, you know. So, <laughs> so. that's funny. Wow, it's it's not. I, I can't tell you how many people. Well, I think you're the only one that I've met so far that can play bagpipes. So yeah, yeah that's something. You, I don't know. I don't know very many people that own one. I don't even know where to find one. I don't think they sell them in stores here in the states. It's pretty niche. Yeah, so it's um, you you don't find too much. I mean, I, I I play the guitar a little bit, and I you know when I was younger, I played the clarinet, and I was like, I always loved music. I I never felt like music came like really natural to me, but I always really tried really hard to play, and I and I always had this dream of when I was a kid to be like a rock star. You know, I, I mean, which, which kid which kid doesn't? You know, so. But yeah, it was. Well, you, uh, you kind of are a rock star. You've been working on some pretty crazy <laughs> stuff, man. I mean, uh, the stuff you, you you make, millions of people watch. That's impressive. And speaking of your journey, man, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. You grew up in Sacramento. You went to SCAD. Now you work in in London. What a journey, man. Let's start from the very beginning, man. Tell us how you got started in motion graphics or motion design to begin with. Yeah, yeah. It is a cool journey. Um, 
when I look back on it, because I'm really proud of myself for leaving my comfort zone and pursuing something that I had no idea whether I would succeed or fail in. And I, you know, as I said, I went to I went to school in the Bay Area and I worked in San Francisco for three or four years at a at a company and it was a, a summer camp company. So I worked with kids all during the summer. Like I taught them, funny enough, I taught them how to do claymation and video editing and just like some simple animation. And I had no idea how to do any of this stuff beforehand. So I went to a, a course and I hired people that did know how to do it. And over a couple of years, I was doing this and I was enjoying it. And then we had this like film festival at uh, the Exploratorium in San Francisco and the company, the company, I say the company, the, the two people that owned it, it was like me and two other people that were, that were running the company at the time. And uh, they said, oh, we want some graphics maybe for the beginning of uh, the animation festival. So could you make some graphics to go before all the kids' animations that they're showing, all their claymations and stuff? And I was like, well, I guess I could, you know, try it out. And I was working in like Sony Vegas. So like not even <laughs> anything that, you know, you use re- nowadays professionally. But uh, I was making like, I made like title cards and like really awful animations. Like, you know, just stuff like splatting against the screen and like kind of Nickelodeon style. And uh, yeah, I've just had a, had a really good time doing it. I think I spent like two or three days on it in, in my spare time. And, uh, yeah, I had such a good time doing it. And I was like, I wonder like what this is, like what, like what kind of industry is this? And I did a bit more research and I realized that my roommate at the time, his brother went to SCAD for motion design. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I started doing a bit more research on motion design and I realized they had a master's program as well. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. Cause I had my undergrad. I didn't really want to go back to school to get another undergraduate degree because I felt like, well, if I get my master's in the future, I can, I can teach, you know, at a university level, whatever that may be, some sort of media or graphics animation. And, uh, so I applied for it, but to apply for it, I had to create a portfolio because they expect as a master's student that you have some experience in the field. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I I had no experience. So what I had to do was I sat down in my room for a month and a half. I I left work at the time because I was like, I'm going to pursue this. And I left um, for a month and a half, just sat in my room, and I made three animations. And they were um, like typographic animations, so like um, just like uh, kinetic typography, something that you do a lot in school, or at least I did a lot in school, but. I haven't really done a a ton of outside of school, but uh, yeah, I ended up doing three animations really quickly. I did one on rowing because I did rowing back in university. Uh, I did one on Disney because my my parents and and I, we grew up like watching Disney films. It was very kind of like a nostalgic nostalgic, kind of like inspiring type thing. And then I did one on um, just like a fake title sequence with my roommates' names and stuff like that. And I submitted all of them and I got accepted into the program, which is really good. I also called them a lot. You know, I just really wanted to be a part of this program. And yeah, I, I got accepted that summer to come to, uh, to come to SCAD. I moved all my stuff, all my belongings over, took out my student loans as you do with, uh, without, with schools these right. days. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get any, um, like any, financial aid because I had no experience really so they were like this guy's green so he has no idea what he's doing so over like the first 
couple of years, well, it was a two year program. I was just like, I loved it. Like I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I was so excited with everything that was happening. Like every time I found like a new thing to do in, in After Effects, I was doing mostly After Effects at the time. I was like, this is amazing. And and they had free Linda tutorials that we'd learn. And they were just so inspiring. Like I learned about the puppet tools and all these little different types of animation, uh, just animation effects and stuff. I, I don't remember all of them. I do remember the puppet tool is like mind blowing, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable. And I, and I remember going to class and I was in school with people who had, you know, a lot of graphic design experience or generally they come from a graphic design background, or maybe they've done a little bit of motion design for you know some small clients or um, there's a couple of guys who did motion design for chur- the churches they were parts of part of in the south and uh yeah so i came in knowing nothing but I, I worked so so hard and i loved it i loved every minute of it and every time i got a brief i would just start thinking about it writing stuff down i would go home and i had like my own little like room and i and i brought my, like a my, my computer, which is which is absolutely awful, thinking about it now, but it's it's not a very strong computer at all. But I just like went home and I, I created this space for myself that was like a my quiet like creative space. I'd play music and just like sit down and storyboard stuff. And you know, it was such a such a cool time. You know, you just you're able to make things that you want to make, and you don't have to worry about the constraints of a client brief. And uh, it went really well. Like I. I ended up going from the guy who knew nothing to one of the best in the class. And uh, we had an award thing where I, I entered a couple animations that I did with um, my roommate was actually a sound designer. So it was a really good relationship. Oh, like that's was, sweet. Yeah, we got along really well. And uh, so I do an animation and he'd do the sound design on it or the music compositions and they went really well. And I ended up doing this um, Nickelodeon piece in during my time at SCAD, which which really kind of helped me get my first job. And uh, that was uh, working at Blur in Los Angeles. And wow. yeah, and it was like my mind was blown. I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to work at Blur. Like I, I, a I worked a good first job. Yeah, man. No, it was great. Yeah, I I really I wouldn't say pester, but I sent jennifer miller she's the she's basically is a huge part of the studio but she also runs the motion graphics side of things and uh i sent her emails constantly about updates and like new portfolio stuff that i've done and if i've won any awards or anything and uh i just like the thing the thing is and i and i knew that i knew that when i began or when when i used to row when I went to Berkeley and stuff, I knew that going like I was around these really talented people, really smart people, and it, and it elevated my level. So I felt like being around people who were better than me made me better. And I knew from that experience that if I could go to a place like Blur or a big a big company that does like world class stuff, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be struggling at the beginning, which I did, but. I know that I'm going to learn from the best and learn how to do things the proper way and be in an environment that really pushes me to grow. And that happened and it continues to happen at territory. And it's just such a, I think it's such a good thing to like learn from the best and be around people that inspire you and are way better than you because it really kind of ups your game and you see improvements because you know, it's stressful. Like you're going to be, 
you know, the first year I was staying late all the time, but that was my own choice. Like I saw how slow I was and I saw how massive of a difference it was between, you know, going to going to school every day and having like a week to create like an animation or style frames to like, Oh, we need these tonight. Like you need to pump out five a day, like five style frames a day. And, and these were the, these were the differences between school and, and the real world. But I wanted it so badly that I like, I never left. Like I didn't, I didn't want to go socialize with anyone. I didn't, you know, I was young as well. Like, I mean, well, I was 27 at the time. So, I mean, I was there by myself. I didn't really know that many people in LA. So I have that opportunity to really invest in the craft and like learn it and learn from the other people there and stuff. So I think that was kind of like my start. I say that was kind of like the big start. And then yeah, going to Blur was a, a huge, huge thing as well. And how did you end up in London? Well, um, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was, yeah, I spent two years in LA at Blur and I was really kind of looking forward to like what's next. And I liked LA and I liked, um, I liked how well it kind of pushed me in, um, pushed me in my work. But, you know, my family was up north in Sacramento and um, I had a couple friends here in London and I was like, well, I'm, I'm 28, 29 at the time. I was like, you know, if, if I have an opportunity to go work abroad, I, I might might try that. And uh, what originally happened was when I left, um, when I was about ready to leave SCAD, I sent Man vs. Machine an email and I got a response and they offered me an internship. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, uh, it'd be great to work with them. Like they're, you know, Man vs. Machine is like world renowned. They're really good. And, uh, but the thing was, is, um, it was it was just going to be too expensive to be in London for three months, so it was during the um, the 2012 um, Olympic Games and everything. It would have been amazing an amazing experience, but it was just it's quite complicated here with the visas and all that stuff. So I didn't know where it would lead, so I wanted to focus more on LA. So that's why I ended up talking to LA companies and, and trying to get something there. But London was always kind of in my head after that. And I ended up going to London for vacation and I visited a few studios and I ended up working at a small company at the time, which is no, which no longer exists, but I met a few other people through that. And I think the original plan on living in London was to just be here for a year and kind of uh, see how it is, like maybe travel to Europe a few times, go up to Scotland and, and, uh, yeah, after a year, I really liked living in London for the, you know, the traveling and all that. Um, but the work I was doing at the time wasn't as fulfilling as I as I wanted it, wanted it to be. So I wanted to push myself the same way in my work as I did in LA at Blur. And I said to myself, you know, I need to be with a company that pushes like design and animation and territory is like always on the top of my list like people at, at my company who I've since worked with and since worked with all the time actually at, at territory is free a lot of them are freelancers now but territory is, was always talked about you know we always talked about like the work they've been doing and and the thing is is like there's not a ton of studios that do film work in well in motion graphics really I mean you get like title design companies but UI is like really the only other 
one of the only other avenues to get uh, motion design in in film. So they're 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 at the time and still they still are, but quite a sought after studio to work at. And I knew it was going to be difficult to to get there, but um, I ended up working a bit of freelance with uh, with David and doing some doing some work for him just to kind of like show him like you know what I could do and and see how that went and and things ended up go, ended up going well and uh they offered to uh to bring me on and sponsor me and uh yeah I've been there for a little over 3 years now wow that's yeah. pretty sweet <laughs> now i'm curious to to find out so you worked in, in the united states and now you're working in london What's the difference between the LA culture and the London culture? Like, is there, do you notice a big difference between yeah. working in different countries? Curious Massive. to hear what it would be. Yeah, I think, I mean, LA is kind of like a, a culture unto itself. I mean, it's, have you, have you been out to LA very much? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you, you know, like LA is, for me, it was a great place for work. I started doing a lot of outdoor stuff there as well, like cycling and stuff, which I still do. Um, I just found it. I found the the culture, like the car culture, a bit difficult to to kind of manage because people um, you're not walking around meeting people very often. So I found it a bit harder to build a community in LA. And oh, interesting. Yeah, and and you know, I think to be honest, like I was working a lot as well, so <laughs> it was a bit harder to like go out and meet people. But but yeah, I just felt like I don't know. I feel like coming up from like Northern California, it's like really chilled out. I felt like LA was good, but I just didn't feel like it was like a long-term place that I, that I would be. And I really loved working at Blur. You know, I, every time I go to LA, I go, I go meet up with them, you know, whenever, um, Norn is a creative director of the motion design department. If she comes out to L or come to the London, we hang out and get, get drinks or dinner. But I, I think the, uh, it was just hard to imagine a future there. Cause you know, it's, I say this now living in London, but it's, it's expensive and it's hard to afford like <laughs> houses and all that stuff. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think LA and London are completely different in the feel because LA very much felt like everyone is in the entertainment industry. Like you meet people and they're always like, you know, they're producers or writers or musicians or uh, they're all kind of like a part of that. And I think that's really cool because you get to meet a lot of people and it's like such a cool feeling being a part of all that. And you have like directors walking through the doors and, you know, getting to work with Tim Miller, you know, the, the director of Deadpool, like he, like really inspiring guy. And, uh, you know, for work, it's amazing. And I think it's, I, I still like, you know, look back on LA very fondly, but I like, I think what I like about London is the, just the variation and everyone's like, I think I love the variation of cultures. Like it's like you find people, you know, I'm an American living in, in London at territory, especially we have people from all over the world. I mean, you know, in the past three years that I've worked there, we've had people from New Zealand and Hungary and the States, obviously in Canada and where else, Australia, France, like, I mean, and then that's just a full-time staff in Swiss, Switzerland. But we have people from, uh, uh, all the freelancers are from all over the place as well. So you just get this, like, this cultural kind of, like, melding together. Like, all these different cultures and all their different, like, interesting, like, design styles. And their different, like, ways of thinking. And you get to learn from all these people. And I feel like 
I feel like LA has that as well, but London is just such a multicultural city. And I, I don't know, I don't know if there is another, if there's another city as multicultural as London, at least in the Western world. Yeah. But, probably New York uh, would be the closest. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. New no, York I think city you're right. Maybe would be something yeah. closer to that. Yeah. Are you, uh, well, right now you still sound like you're very much from America, but I'd say give it another <laughs> five years, you might be uh, talking to us with a British accent, right? Yeah, it could, it could. Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple, couple friends that have picked up a bit of a bit of an accent, but I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think some of the, uh, there's some terms that you end up switching. Like I don't say dude or man as much. I say like mate. And, uh, <laughs> there's, there's, a, you, you know, there's a few differences, but I think, um, I think overall I, I'll probably have my same accent. It's maybe just how I, maybe how I, in, in, my my inflections on certain words might change a little bit, but overall, I, I don't I don't think my accent would change at, at least for from my experience. So, <laughs> I heard I thought I heard something like beginning when we were before the the call when you were singing up the mic. I thought I heard something like man, he sounded a little British. But yeah. anyway, but here's I'm an immigrant myself. What do I know, right? I, now I'm, yeah, I have man. to ask. I have to ask. Are you an Arsenal fan? Do you like soccer uh, at all? I'm not, I'm not a huge. Uh, I'll, I'll call it. I'll call it football because there you go, I've, there been, you go. I've, I've been told by people that I have to. That, but right. yeah, I, but <laughs> I um, you know, it's it's funny though because it it's uh, it means quite a bit who you, who you support here in the in uh, oh in yeah, London, you can get you killed know. if you sit in the wrong section, right? <laughs> Do you support Arsenal? Or are you a big well, Arsenal I'm, fan? Or? I'm more of a Manchester United guy, but you know, I, I'm go. married with two kids, so I don't have time to watch sports anymore. <laughs> but back in the day when Beckham played, I Dude, definitely followed yeah. Manchester United. It's a whole other world out here. Like, uh, you think that, I mean, you know, I mean, you think that American football or like basketball has strong followings, but when you come to the UK, it is so intense. Like going oh, yeah. to like a football match out here, it's like they s- divide the the crowds. Like you can't, if you're supporting the one, one of the other teams, you can't sit on the other side. <laughs> That's suicide. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, they, and I, I've been to one game here. I went to, to a game in Fulham, and uh, which I live on, in the southwest of London, and uh, and I went out there, and they had police everywhere, like police on horses, and they had like huge security checks and like uh, metal detectors and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to war. And <laughs> you know, they all know their teams like chants and right. everything. It's I mean, it's, it's cool, but it's a bit, a bit intense. Like it's, it's just a whole other thing. And I, and it's, it's, uh, it's something you don't see. Well, I don't see it as much in London. I mean, I, I personally don't see it cause I'm not really around the, the stadiums, but you get pe- talking to people about it and, and yeah, they're very, um, very supportive of their teams. Like, <laughs> Definitely. That's why I don't get into it much anymore. And I don't take sets. Even here in the States, like I kind of casually watch, tune in like the last quarter of a football game. I went to Ohio yeah. State, so I like to keep oh, track. Cool. Oh, you guys are good. Yeah. 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 So every once in a while I'll tune in, but man, I'm married. I don't have time for that. <laughs> My mm. kids, you know, now, you know, they play sports. So I, I watch them. Now, just to summarize your journey, something that stuck with me. My big takeaway from your journey is that sounds like the the key to your success was being around people that are better than you, right? You know, yeah. what's that quote? Like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Would you agree yeah. with that? Was that your, like the secret sauce to your success? I think being around people who are better than me. Yes. And I also think that taking chances, taking, 
intelligent chances has really paid off because you know i i left i left my um my old job and you know it paid paid decently you know i was on a trajectory to be you know i could have gone into like you know other other types of businesses like the nonprofit division in san francisco is huge so i, I was i was getting a lot of skills through that but yeah just taking chances and yeah being around people who are really talented i mean it, it's refreshing because I feel like a lot of people who really know what they're doing are really cool about it. I mean, sometimes you get people with with an ego, uh, ego like every once in a while. But I feel like the majority of people who really know what they're doing just have this like calmness about them. Hmm, and they're like they're like the you know like the ancient like Jedi master. You know, they just like they know <laughs> like what to do, and you know, it's kind of like. The old expression like uh, speak softly but carry a big mm. stick, you know, and they speak very softly, but they're like a wizard on on the tools, you know, they can just they kill it like every time. So it's. Uh, yeah. And I feel like because they're so rooted and grounded who they are in their identity that they don't have to really their work speaks for themselves, you know, and so it's just it's not that it's not arrogant, but it's just they just know their worth. And I think that's sometimes people interpret that for arrogance, right? Now I'm exactly. curious. I want to circle back to something you said earlier. You know, you went to SCAD, and this was you know years ago, right? Um, yeah. No, today, if you had to start all over again, would you go to college again? Um, it's it's an interesting question. I I literally just paid off my student loans last week. Oh, <laughs> so, congratulations! Uh, thank you. I uh, man, it's expensive. It's um, I'd say like I had a great time there. It was such a positive experience, but it costs so much money. Art school is uh, is another level. I think if you have the means, like if your parents can help you out, that's great. I had to pay for it myself, but I, I, I don't know if I would change it knowing where I am now, but I don't think you have to take the same route to get there. I think, you know, there's, um, there's lots of... Um, uh, there's lots of online courses. There's what, what's the one that's a uh, it's like School of Motion. School of Motion, yeah, yeah. With yeah, Joey they, they seem yeah they seem really good. They're all their um I've had friends that that work with them or that have taken courses with them, and uh, I think that's probably I would say I'd probably lean more towards that these days than uh, just because it's so expensive. Like I think having one-on-one -on -one time with a, with a professor or just your peers, like having that kind of like friendly competition and showing the work in front of a bunch of people is really helpful for you. But I think School of Motion and, you know, like Learn Squared and stuff like that, I think those are really good resources for people who don't want to go in, into tremendous debt. I think schooling will change a lot in the next like five, 10 years, especially with, within motion design. And I, and I hope it becomes more affordable so people can do it because, you know, school is just such a important thing for people learning and the pursuit of like bettering yourself. And I think that you shouldn't have to, uh, you know, go up to your uh, your nose in debt for it, you right. know, where it just cripples you for the rest of your life. So, no, that's yeah. so true. And it's so hard to break in the industry right after college because you have to get just any job just to pay the bills. And a lot of times people yeah. default to work in restaurant jobs in yes. hopes that they will find time to you know, apply for decent jobs. And then 10, five, 10 years later, they're still working the same job, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's struggles real. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And I, I know a lot of friends that haven't been as lucky. And I say lucky because there is a lot of luck to, 
to getting a job at one of these studios and getting your foot in the door at these places. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is, it is timing. It's a lot of it's timing. Cause obviously if, you know, blur wasn't looking for someone, then, you know, I would have had to convince someone else. And the, the truth is, is that when a company brings on someone who's junior, which pretty much everyone is out of school, they are looking at it as an investment just as much as you have to invest into them. So right. they know that you're not going to be as good as all the freelancers they have and all the full timers have been doing it for years and years. So it's uh you have to really sell yourself. You have to really show them how hungry you are and how much you want to learn. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not easy, especially these days. I mean, every, you go online and everyone's doing good work seems like, so, you know, so. Mm. No, that's so true. I was about to ask you, like, what advice would you give to someone graduating from college? But it sounds like you kind of, in a way, answer that. But if, unless you have something else to add to that, you know, for those that are just now finishing school, because we were just speaking at a school that Sergey graduated at, you know, oh, years cool. ago. And that's what everyone's asking, like, how do I get that next gig? What would you, if you had a son, let's say, who's graduating from college, what would you yeah. tell him? You know, I think, uh, I think the thing is, is first off, you have to have the work that speaks for itself. I think, I think it's really important to sit down, make something like I got hired off of one, one piece. Like I did a 20 second spot wow. for a, a fake spot for Nickelodeon and they really liked the camera moves. It was like a cardboard kind of like animation. I was really proud of it. I thought it looked good. I got, um, you know, some feedback from my professor on like, Oh, maybe you can make the camera more dynamic and all this stuff. So I feel like having like one piece, Will, will land you a job you don't have to have a whole portfolio you just need one one good piece you know interesting i, I think i think as a student you know because i i mean they just they want to i think studios want to look at work that you've done and go all right first off how much of that did you do like did you do the whole thing they want i think if you can do a whole project yourself from design to you know animation and everything and and make it make it good like spend a lot of time on it you know, it can only, it doesn't have to be long. Mine was 20 seconds. It could be like, you know, 20, 30 seconds and just have it look professional, look like you know what you're doing and, and that you can kind of like, you have like good creative thought. And I think uh, that's really important, but also touching base with the people that you admire, like whether if you're, you know, a big fan of the work they do at Buck or a big fan of the work they do at like Giant Ant or Territory or Blur or imaginary forces like find like send them an email tweet them you know send them a message on instagram like find these people that you admire learn who they are and then start a conversation with them and uh i used to do that um i did that with uh jennifer at blur and i also did that with um, a couple people at imaginary forces i i never ended up working there but i always kind of like wanted to um, Alan Williams, he works in, in New York and, uh, I remember messaging him and he gave me a bunch of advice and I feel like putting yourself out there, showing how much you want these jobs, because the truth is, is when you get, when you work on the films and the title sequences and all that stuff, you have a ton of people that want those jobs. So you have to be hungry. You know, you have to be hungry. You also have to be easy to work with and have a good attitude. And if, you know, your first day you walk into the studio and think, you know, you're hot stuff. You like think again, because, uh, because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a job, like it's a professional job and you have to be really flexible and you have to 
be, you know, change with the tide really. And you can't be precious about stuff. And I think people just, if I was to give advice, you know, it's to kind of break it down, have a good, have good one good piece on your portfolio, one piece that you're really proud of, chat to people that you admire and just check in with them, check in with them. Don't, don't talk to them about a job, you know, just message them at first and uh, just say, Hey, I admire your work. I'd love to work for you guys maybe in the future. Check out my portfolio. Like, how do you get, how did you get to like where you're at? You know, like ask them questions about themselves and, and, and see how they got there, you know? And, and it's kind of like establishing a relationship really. So. No, I love that advice you said about one piece. That's so important because a lot of times these people have a lot of portfolios that they look at, right? But yeah. if you work really, really hard, put all your energy into that one project and make it really, really good. I mean, yeah. that's that will get their attention. And once you get their attention, that that's all there is to it, right? You got your foot in the door, totally. so to speak. Now, yeah. let's transition to something dark, man. Tell us the story <laughs> of your worst moment in your creative journey, man. Take it away. Well, I um, I feel like I've been pretty fortunate for the most part with uh, with things. I feel like I've had to work really hard to get the work and work with people I work with. But uh, I, there have been projects where um, I think it's, there, there's one in particular, but Generally, what happens is um, if I start a project and, and I'm on it from beginning to end, it's great. But if uh, if I'm picking up other people's projects at the very end, or if you have a group of people that aren't working there anymore, like say a group of freelancers that have worked on a project, generally, like everyone has kind of like different organizational techniques with their projects and different ways of working. And I'd say like having an organized file is like really, really important, especially if you're passing it off because you can... You can make friends and enemies very quickly <laughs> with, a, with an unorganized <laughs> so project. But there is one in, in particular that was really, really unorganized. And it was a, um, the problem with it was is that it was all finished. It was, the, the project was completely done. But we were re-delivering it for a DVD release. And what happened was we had a lot of people touching the project. And they were, there was, there's these things that we, we apply sometimes to our film plates called LUTs. And they're these like, if a lot of people are probably familiar with them, but they're basically like these color correction uh, layers that you stick over the footage, and it get and it, and it's what the editors use, so you can see what they they see, so you can color correct appropriately to how they're color correcting it. And what ended up happening was um, people were applying these to different layers to color correct inside the inside the actual project. So they were applying multiple color corrections to different layers, and the problem was is that this was throwing off the sequence when we when we exported it so i couldn't match the colors exactly and they were very adamant on the colors being the exact same as when we previously delivered it and it was it was a bit of an organizational issue but i ended up having to do a lot of rotoing and and, and like and color correcting by eye and Ouch. like you know yeah it, it was a painful Sounds process painful, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it was probably the most painful job I've had to do, but generally it's like it's okay. And luckily like we don't have any issues like that at territory. It's always been very like very manageable and stuff, but it was um yeah, one of the issues in between. So guys, how did you guys fix this issue going on forward? So going on forward, we ended up just uh we completely changed the file structure, like how we structure our files and the problems were that we didn't have um, 
things were in the proper folders that they should have been. So, <laughs> so we had a bit of a, a come to Jesus meeting. We all sat around. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and we just all said like, you know, we got to figure this out. Like these are some big issues. We don't want to have these again. And the, and the important thing is that we learn from our lesson, learn from our mistakes and fix things in the future. So we, we've never had any issues like that again, fortunately in my career, but uh, I, I've taken that stuff. And uh, since I've been at territory and, and, and uh, kind of, you know, brought those to the table when I went there and like, oh, these are some issues I've had in the past. And we've, you know, so, it, you know, the creative stuff is quite important, but also the organizational stuff is is almost just as important because when a client's asking for something and you don't have it or you don't have the same thing that they saw before or signed off, that's just that's just as big of a problem. So, mm. and I feel like sometimes creatives struggle with that. They just, there's so much in, their, yeah. in the cloud, so to speak, and mm-hmm. they, they're not good organizers. Not all, I can't speak for everybody, but I've met a few where it takes yeah. a whole day just to figure out where the project files are. It, it, it can be rough, but I think that, um, I think that generally I have, my mindset is that when I'm concepting and doing style frames, I'm a bit messy. And when it comes to production and sticking stuff in After Effects and like I'm making stuff for real, then I start organizing it. And if it's in cinema, I'll create like layers and take systems and After Effects. Like we have a whole folder structure we use and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like kind of knowing when to switch from like not thinking about that at all to like needing to think about it. So yeah. Now let's transition to a, a happier moment in your life. <laughs> I yeah, want you to yeah. talk about your uh, most, I guess, memorable project, the best project that you worked on in your creative journey. You know, it's it's funny because like I have projects that like look really good, but I wasn't as married to them as I was with other ones. And I'd say like the first film I ever worked on was in LA and it was Man of Steel. So oh, wow, nice. I know... Yeah, so it was like, for me, it was such a special project and working on it, I loved the movie. I know the movie didn't do very well, but it was such like a a special project for me because I got to design this like sequence. Um, If you've seen the movie, it's where uh, Zod kind of like, it's like this data moshing kind of like glitchy scene with Zod and he's like hacking all these satellites and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I designed like all the data moshing like stuff and all the typography that was going in it and kind of gave some uh, a bunch of different options to the director. And I worked with a guy named Greg Cagle and uh, Colin James and Matt Radford. And they're like super talented guys. And Greg's at ILM now in Canada. And Matt's working for Naughty Dog and Colin's still at Blur. But they would like just the they're so good at creating stuff. And like I, I did these style frames and Matt works in, he's like a, a technical genius. And he created, uh, he worked, he created this like entire like data moshing script in processing, which allowed him to kind of take the 3d models that Greg and the 3d team were outputting and just completely mess up the like geometry and all that stuff. And it's really cool. He has some breakdowns on his Vimeo page on on the whole process but it was such like a it was my first film i had my name in the in the in the credits sweet it's like yeah i mean it's it's like you know like it's it's such a fun experience like the first time you've done like work on a film it's, there's such a buzz about it and i still <laughs> you still get it a lot but 
like the first time it's just like oh my gosh so i'd say man of steel was a big one i mean thor 2 was a big one you know, I think just kind of these threshold experiences. And then obviously like working at territory, like we do like films all the time and, you know, work with Marvel and all these other like big companies and it's like getting to talk with like, hear from like directors. Like I didn't personally work on ready player one at the studio, but I know that Steven Spielberg was looking at the work that we did and commenting on it and really liked it. And it was just kind Uh of a, it's, it's cool to be around that and to be around, like you really feel like you're, in like a a good place when you're around people who are working with Steven Spielberg, you know? So yeah. Now what's it like to, to see your work like on big screens, man, and to see your name in the credits, like, do you still, are you immune to that now? Or are you still kind of like, I don't know. It's like a surreal moment when you see it. Like, what's it like? It's still really fun. And I think, I think seeing my name in the credits isn't as exciting as it was before, but seeing my work on the screen is still amazing. (laughs) And I think, uh it's it's just like the thing is is like you're given these shots like these individual shots and you know the shots from the back of your hand like the back of your hand and they go by in like a quarter of a second you know like they're on the screen and they may be on for a few seconds sometimes but uh <laughs> but you work it's so just long funny you spend so much time like perfecting it and making it look really good and then it goes by so quickly <laughs> but the moment like when we were we went to the Johnny English uh, screening and saw our work there, like we were all cheering when we saw our work and uh, it was just, it's, it's, it's cool because you're a part of this like huge machine. Like these movies are like tons of people and you're just one of like many people working on it and getting to see your work on there, especially if it's telling the story in a big way, like a lot of the UI stuff we do uh, does, you know, it's like story driven. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's saying like how someone feels or where they should go or something's happening and they need to like find this thing. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun. And, and I, I love working on films because like, I think a lot of us watch these things as kids and we're like, I want to do that. Like I want to make films or I want to work on, you know, for me working with Disney was a big one and getting to work, you know, with Marvel, obviously Disney owns Marvel and, it's really cool. It's really fun. And I, and I, I'm really humbled that I get the chance to do this every day or well, not every day, obviously we're on different projects, but like getting the chance to do this and it's, uh, it's amazing. Like I, I really love my, my job and, and getting to do this. So I'm, yeah, I still, I still love it. Like every time I see it and, uh, it's always very exciting and very, very humbling really to see this stuff as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Now what's coming up for you? Um, well, like, uh, work-wise, like as far as like, like projects or... Well, you just recently came back from uh, Amsterdam. That's where you and Sergey, you guys both met there. Yeah. Are you speaking yeah, at any yeah. other conferences, doing anything like that in the future, in your future? We, we have, um, we have like a list of, of things that we, um, list of talks that we do every year. And, um, usually... I'll know like a couple months before. So right now I don't have anything on the, on the schedule for talks, but, um, what about work-wise? Is there anything you can talk about? I know you off air, you shared a few things. Is it something you can share on air? Yeah, I think, um, we are working on a couple big ones now and we're pitching for other ones, but I can't, I can't share obviously oh, the no, that's good. Not at the moment, but <laughs> yeah, I don't want to put you on the spot I, like that. No, no, no. But, I, but I think, um, uh, the San Francisco office just really released Infinity War, 
So uh, the, the, the first part of the Marvel's film, and we did work on the second part as well. We just, uh, we had a bunch of stuff from the Blade Runner, um, from our Blade Runner work get, get featured at one of the design museums here in London, which we're all going to as like a big field trip in December. <laughs> um, Johnny cool. English just came out, which is cool. All that Ready Player One stuff got finalized um, over the summer. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff on the horizon. Well, we worked on Pacific Rim two, which which we we came out I think two or three months ago. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was like, um, yeah. I mean, it's a film that it's kind of a, a fun film that you kind of go for for entertainment and you just kind of see a bunch of like big monsters beat each other up. <laughs> and it, it it was cool to do the UI because it was all three D volumetric UI. So it, we did screens. And also like 3D stuff for that, and it was uh, quite fun. So, I think we've had yeah we've had like quite a bit of stuff come out recently, and we are, we are working on some things. But, uh, but yeah, you're a busy man. Wow, you're you're doing quite a bit. Now, last question. Yeah, yeah. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, um, I'm on uh, on Twitter at a uh, Nick Lines TV, and uh, that's the one I, I generally do all my motion design stuff. I have a um, Instagram account, which people are more than welcome to comment on but that's mostly like all my like traveling and like cycling and outdoorsy stuff but uh but yeah it I, i'm more than happy to answer any questions or like if anyone has any questions about the industry or like working on films or like design for marvel companies or whatever i'd be happy to talk about it and just you know like share my experiences and, and advice on it so sounds good nick thank you so much for your time i appreciate you sacrificing your evening hanging out with me thank you so much Dude, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nick Lyons. Make sure to check out Nick's website, nicklyons.tv. Again, it's nicklyons.tv. All the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ucromedia.com slash 45. And while you're there, check out our course on After Effects Expressions. We have well over six hours of content all for you. Go to euchromedia.com slash expressions. Don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to euchromedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,400 talented people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Euchromedia Podcast. Bye-bye.